Welcome to the PE Huddle. We're glad to have you. And as you know, it's supported and sponsored by Gopher. And I'm your host, Bob Pangrazy. We discuss a lot of issues and concerns related to physical education and teaching. And now when you register for the PE Huddle, there's a field where you can suggest a topic for future huddles. Let me just add a personal note here. There's been so many good questions and topics submitted, and it just troubles me that we can't get to more of them. However, be assured that I'm trying to be as diligent as possible to deal with many of your concerns. Keep suggesting, and I'll keep trying to deal with your requests. Gopher makes a strong effort to connect with teachers at all levels in health and physical education. Check out the Gopher website at gophersport.com as it is continually updated with new products and educational support tools. A new feature on federal relief funding will help you find resources in your state and district, and it offers examples of how funding can be used for physical education. In fact, ESSER II funding, as many of you probably know, is already in your school and more coming down, and it's important that you reach out for your piece of the pie. If you don't ask, you're not going to get. And now on to our guests and today's huddle. Rebecca Neal has taught physical education in the Mesa, Arizona School District for the past 21 years. She received her degree from Adams State University in Alamosa, Colorado, and competed as a collegiate basketball player. Rebecca holds a graduate degree in English as a second language from ASU and was just honored as the Arizona Elementary Teacher of the Year. Rebecca may look familiar to you because she helped create many of the educational videos used in Dynamic Physical Education, ASAP. Randy Spring is a K through five physical education teacher. He chose to teach virtually during the pandemic. He received the 2020 Minnesota Shape Elementary Teacher of the Year, and he received a 2018 Woodbury Chamber of Commerce Teacher of the Year Award. Randy serves as the co-director of PhysEd Connections, a local nonprofit organization that puts on National Professional Development Conference for health, physical education teachers and coaches in the Midwest. Idrisa Gandega is Missing in action right now, but I think we're going to have him soon, so bear with us. Uh, he's a New York City PE and health education teacher and coach at Columbia Prep. Prior to his current assignment, he taught grades K through 8 at a school for gifted and accelerated learners. During the pandemic, he was given the opportunity to teach grades K through 12 in a virtual learning space. He was also assigned to coaching a variety of sports in a hybrid setting. That was one I hadn't heard of. That's an interesting one. <laughs> so Randy, let's start with you. Give me a short background of where you teach, a bit about your students, why you chose to be a teacher. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, my name is Randy Spring. I'm in my 12th year uh, as an elementary physical education teacher in Woodbury, Minnesota, which is kind of the east side of St. Paul in Minnesota. Uh, it, in a nutshell, I was a teacher's assistant as a junior and senior in high school for the local elementary PE teacher. And from day one of getting to go and just kind of be her assistant in her classroom, I was hooked by the energy, the enthusiasm, um, and the excitement of the kids in the gymnasium. And that's kind of, uh, all she wrote. I, I signed up to be a PE major after that. So that's kind of the history of my path up to this point. Well, Rebecca, let's warm you up. How about the same question? Give me a lead in a little, tell our audience a bit about you. Hello everyone, I'm Rebecca Neal. Um, like Bob said, I've been teaching for 21 years. I teach in the Mesa Public School District here in Mesa, Arizona. Um, I teach at a school that's a little bit different than any other school I've taught at because these kids are, they apply for the school and then they're hand selected. So um, the behavior is amazing at this school. It's very nice. 
Um, I chose to teach PE for, because of my love of sports and physical activity, and I wanted to encourage children to be physically active and hopefully promote lifelong fitness. This is your first year in that school, isn't it, Rebecca? It is. Yeah. Good. Idrissa, are you out there? Could you tell us a little bit about you? Yes, sir. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear you fine. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for having me on, first of all. So uh, I teach at Columbia Grammar, which is a private school here in Manhattan, and uh, it's a uh, well, it's a K to 12, but I teach in a high school, a middle school, high school specifically, and uh, this is my first year here. Prior to that, I was at a K to 8 school for accelerated learners, and it's similar to what Rebecca said. Since it's a private school, I guess the students apply to it and get hand selected. So it's an interesting group of uh, students to work with, and it's very unique. And I had opportunities to work in a public school for like my student teaching. So I was able to, I guess, cover the entire spectrum, which was very fun to see the different settings and everything. Uh, I would love to tell you, I always knew I was gonna be a PE teacher and I was ready for this, but that wasn't the case. I wanted to be a civil engineer growing up. And, uh, but I've always loved sports. I played college basketball, just as, uh, was it Randy or Rebecca who played basketball? Yes. And, uh, but I worked in summer camps cause that's what most people do in the summer time do some camps and you know I love sports and helping the kids out and seeing them make their first basket was so exciting for me and I was talking to one of my professors similar to Dr. Bob who is really into PE and can just see a PE teacher from a mile away like you're a PE teacher I'm like huh what do you mean he's like oh you have great energy and I think you'll do really well with the younger population and he's telling me there's an older population younger population and I'm like all right that sounds interesting dude I don't know about this and then I went back and looked at summer camp. I was like, wow, I'm having so much fun. It doesn't even feel like a job. And then I really I started looking into it. And next thing I know, the rest of my time was invested in how to be a PE teacher, how to help students out. And playing sports is easy, but teaching sports, you got to really break it down because something that might come easy to Randy might not be so easy to explain until you think the whole process through. All right, long-winded story. So my professor convinced me to be a PE teacher. <laughs> Okay, yes, that, that, that was a long story, but a, a, a good long story, and you, you're, you're not an engineer, but you're a human engineer, so, uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, that, that, that's great stuff. Um, well, let's, let's dig in. Uh, Rebecca, um, I'd like to know uh, how you've been impacted by the COVID uh, pandemic and how your school operated to get through these trying times, and I'll ask Randy and... Uh, Idrissa to jump in after you tear into that. I think trying times was very accurate. It was just, I've been teaching, like I said, for 21 years, and I seriously felt like this was my first year of teaching. I was just trying to stay above water and just learning all of the, the technology and the recordings and just trying to develop relationships with the kids. Um, the district uh, was trying to follow the guidelines of the six foot spacing, the sanitizing of equipment. Uh, it was just totally different from any other year that I've you know, been used to. So just totally different way of looking at the curriculum and presenting instruction to the students. Yeah, yeah, Randy? Yeah, so uh, my, my educational platform this year took on a different form. Uh, my district, South Washington County School District 833 in Minnesota, did a tremendous job kicking off the school year just with tons of well-thought planning. So they, they sent out a survey and asked all families in our district, is anybody interested in just having their student commit to a distance-only setting all year? So we're a K-12 through uh, school district, public school district. And they got a great feedback and said lots of families said, hey, if you created a distance only learning um, setting for us, we would totally do it. So they just they they pulled some strings. They made some planning. Long story short, we had basically two school systems within one school system. So we had a K through 12 educational system set up that was going to ride the roller coaster of hybrid learning, in-person learning, completely remote. And then there was my setting, which was the Virtual Learning Academy. Um, so I was blessed with the opportunity to be the fourth, all fourth and fifth grade students in my district's Virtual Learning um, Academy PE teacher. And I kind of jazzed it up a little bit just to make it a little more fun and unique. And I called it the Virtual PE Academy. Uh, long story short, from the beginning of the year to the end now, um, I've been teaching complete virtual 
uh, PE lessons, the fourth and fifth grade students. And uh, it, it's been one of those things uh, that we're riding. And I know everybody out there has kind of been doing the same thing in their own different worlds. So, yeah. yeah, there's there's a million models out there. That's for sure. You hit the nail on the head and everybody seems to have a little, slightly different one. But I, I love your up and down because I, I think everybody can identify with that. That's been tough. Idrissa, how about you? All right. Uh, to piggyback off of what Randy said, I think my school did an amazing job of uh, thinking ahead and being proactive. Uh, we started off all virtual. While we were doing that behind the scene, they were setting up a lot of things. Uh, we have these huge monitors in the, uh, in the gymnasium, and then they have cameras that you can control to go up, down, sideways, or whatever direction you want. And then we had our floor spots laid out where all the students are 12 feet apart and, you know, they have enough room. And we're fortunate here where we have two teachers. So online, as you see, tech, tech can be an issue. So having two teachers, maybe when I'm leading, the other person is helping control the background stuff, whether spotlighting a student to show good form or sending a chat to somebody like, hey, I noticed your head is down a little bit. Is everything okay? And then we'll switch roles, whatever the case is. Currently, we're doing a hybrid model where we have half of the students in person and then the other half is at home. And thanks to the screen, we're able to send them the Zoom link and they join in. Now we can see the students at home and then they can see everybody in person. And we try to tailor the activities where they can both do it around the same time. Or if we decide to switch up the activity where you might not be able to do so from home, then one teacher would take the students at home, another teacher would take the students in person, and we'll try to have a similar idea, but tailor it towards whether they're in person or at home. Rebecca, are you um, are you still teaching virtually? So we're doing both here in Mason Public Schools. I teach face-to-face, -face, uh, and my schedule is face-to-face -face instruction all morning, and then in the afternoon, I have two classes face-to-face -face and then three classes remote. Idrissa, how about you? Uh, we're hybrid now. You're so, hybrid now. How about uh, for the fall, what do you anticipate? We're anticipating to try to open the school back up and get as many people in as possible. And uh, they send surveys regularly to see which students will be interested in coming, who will be interested in online. But ideally, they want to try to bring everybody in. Um, Randy, I, I know uh, Rebecca in your school system, I think they're going to identify some teachers to teach virtual um, yes, because they, they figure that, you know, 10 to 20 percent of the kids still will want to go virtual. Um, Randy, you taught all year virtually. You ready to do another year of it? <laughs> I mean, if I had to, I would. Um, but uh, like I said earlier, my school district sent out another survey to only the virtual learning academy families. And actually, uh, the response of wanting to do this again dramatically decreased. And our district took that data and basically said, you know, to all families, we are not going to provide um, at this point uh, another virtual learning academy. So, though it was a great time, you know, connecting with way more students than just my own school this year, you know, I'm really ready to get back um, in person uh, in the fall and, and do. Uh, do what we're meant to do, which is be face to face with kids, right? So you would do it if you had to, but you don't choose to. Yeah, yeah. I miss the kids like crazy, and I'd like to tell myself they miss me, even though I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, well, you know, I, I know we went through virtual, and and uh, all of you have had a taste of that, um, and. Of course, that brought a lot of videos into play, and I, I know, uh, Rebecca, you you helped with a lot of the ASAP videos, but uh, Randy, you created a lot of your own, as did Idrissa. Um, Idrissa, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at, at one of yours, and then we can talk about it after uh, we see it. Michael, you want to let that roll? Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, how's it going? It's Mr. G. No, I'm just playing. It's Mr. G. Uh, so today we're going to do this awesome workout. Well, I don't know. It could be terrible, too, because I have no idea what the workout is going to be. We're going to use this wheel of fitness right here, and we're going to spin it and try our luck to make the best uh, exercise combination possible. The way it works is it's pretty much wheel of fortune. You spin the wheel and whatever exercise you're fortunate enough to land on, we're gonna perform that exercise for about 40 seconds. 
and then we'll get a very, very small break. The break is as long as it takes the wheel to spin around. This is gonna be a high intensity workout, so please make sure you have a water bottle handy or something to keep you hydrated. Here we go, first spin. Let's go for burpees. Let's start right out the gate, something intense. And it's plank. All right, not bad, not bad. For the plank, we're gonna do two versions. Uh, first, you're gonna get on your elbows. Uh, body is in a straight alignment. Your hips are up, but not too high. And tighten up your core. Now we'll transition to the high plank. Uh, it's pretty much the basic push-up position. Three, two, one, done. Here we go, next spin. Uh, we're going for jumping jacks. Let's go jumping jacks, here we go. And we got squats. All right, I like squats, they're cool. For the squats, uh, feet a little bit wider than shoulder width, arms straight out, and then you're gonna sit back as if you're sitting in a chair, push your hips back. So there you get to see the man in action. We can't see you live on the screen, but we did get you on a video. That's good stuff, Idrisa. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your videos. Um, what do you find that uh, uh, the types of videos that work best for your students? And, and your, your students are primarily high schools, right? Yes, sir. Uh, well, eighth to about 10th, 11th. Okay, and, and what kind of videos do you find work best with them? Well, first, uh, I think the students were really excited to see me actually going through the workout instead of always telling them, do this, do that. Like, whoa, coach is out there dressed up, ready to go. And then uh, mainly the, I guess, holiday theme stuff seemed to work a lot for me because one, it shows that, you know, I'm trying to keep up with what's going on. And because of the holidays, we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. So it's not just I'm focusing on holidays that I myself might celebrate but it's a holiday that somebody else celebrate and it gives the students an opportunity to talk about, oh yes, this holiday is about this, my family celebrates it. And I'm like, oh, what's something as a tradition that your family do? And it creates a great platform for discussion and also gets them to do push-ups without them thinking they're doing push-ups. Did you, do you use a video every lesson or do you do some in-person teaching yourself? No, no, I don't use a video every lesson. Uh, as I was saying, we have two teachers for our classes. So sometimes when I'm the in-person lead person, then I'm in front of the students uh, teaching them and going over instructions. The videos, I mainly started it because I had some students who were in different time zones and I realized, all right, you're not gonna get up at four in the morning to do jumping jacks with everybody. So if I give you this, I know you're gonna be accountable and do it. And, it's a trust thing and it's also just an opportunity for the students to still feel like they're involved in the class without having to sacrifice sleep or anything else, even though they will gladly do it because they're amazing students. So that's how that started. Okay, good, good. You're in a private school, I think, if, if I remember right, Idrisa, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Randy, you create videos for your classes and, and by your own definition, you say they're engaging. You give me the three E's, okay? Randy loves names and things like that. So I said, well, I'm gonna come right back at him. He gave me the three E's. He says he creates videos that are engaging, equitable, and easy to follow. The big three E's, that sounds pretty darn good to me. Let's take a look at what. Before Mr. Spring shows you how he made a jump rope at home because he didn't have one, I want you to pause and think about what you could use or find at your house or your learning space to be safe, non-destructive, and have lots of fun learning jump roping skills in this lesson. All right, PE pals, just like we always do, let's get creative about making equipment to do our virtual PE Academy lessons. Hey, for jump ropes, friends, I just got creative with a sheet. You could do a... Uh, pair of old sweatpants, uh, big sweatshirts, a towel, a bunch of t-shirts tied together. I don't know, but maybe this will give you inspiration to see what you can use to create your own jump rope at home with your parent or guardian permission. First, lay that bed sheet out nice and flat if you're choosing to do a bed sheet. Second, you're going to make a triangle out of that bed sheet, right? Third, you're going to start to roll that triangle up kind of like... Um, uh, Play-Doh roll or you want to make kind of a, a long rope or a long snake, whatever you want to call it. This is your finished product, right? It's not secure, but it is a long rope. Step four, 
at the end of each part of your homemade rope, you need to use some sort of tape or something that's going to give you a grip and keep that rope together. I use duct tape. Then it might help to actually secure your sheet or your towel or whatever you're using with more tape in the middle. Again, use your parents' guidance or permission. Last, there's my jump rope. I've wrapped some tape on the ends for handles. I put tape in the middle to secure it. And as you can see on the right side, as I step on the middle and I lift up the handles, it should be tickling my underarm. This is all we're going to do for this part of the lesson. You're going to simply practice that hip, tap, hip, tap, twirl, and jump. Just like that in that rhythm. I'm going to show you one more time. Hip, tap, hip, tap, twirl, and jump. Notice I'm pausing each time. But I have to say, I've never jumped a bed sheet. You, you got me there. That, that's it. I, I've had a lot of experience in my career, but not that one. Well, now um, you know how you can make one at home. There that's you it. go. That's, that's right. But I, I don't think I'm going to take my bed sheet, but I sure could. <laughs> All right. So having said that, let, let's talk a little bit about why you say they're equitable. Let's just start with that, because equitable is a huge word nowadays. Why are they equitable? Yeah, so, you know, you're talking about the three E's. I think we're talking about, you know, engaging and kind of exciting, right? Like, that's how I design every lesson, whether I'm teaching virtually or teaching in person. So when I started this commitment to the Virtual Learning Academy or the PE Academy, I knew that all these students were going to be in a setting where it's going to be easy for them to say, well, I can't do that. I don't have this. Or I, I am in my bedroom. I can't do this, right? So equi equitability was my number one focus going into every single lesson this entire year. How could I create a really short, um, engaging, equipment-based DIY video that made every student say, well, I could do that, or I could create that, or I have that. And when they have that confidence right away out of the gate, then it, it kind of pulls them into the whole rest of the lesson, right? Which hopefully, because it's my job, I make the rest of it engaging so you know, it was equitable and now it's engaging, educational and exciting, right? So every lesson pretty much that I created this year, which I pumped out every Monday and Wednesday for my students, I think I got like 700 fourth and fifth graders or something like that. Every lesson started off with some sort of DIY or some side of some sort of like hook that pulled them into what we were going to do, right? And I know Dr. Bob and I were talking about um, last spring, I was you know, supposed to do rope jumping um, virtually, but I just didn't feel comfortable saying, hey, find a rope at home or everybody at home has a rope, right? Um, this year, I put it on the schedule of the curriculum right away and said, I'm going to find a way to make sure that rope jumping is equitable for all of my students. And um, hopefully, you know, that video and all the other three um, video lessons that I created off of that uh, were not only equitable, but hopefully educational and engaging too. Well, you make them engaging, so we'll take care of that one. Okay, and that that takes care of itself. You you can't be you can't be dry. Idrisa, how how about you? Do uh, you want to follow up on that? I don't know, man. That's a tough act to follow. The best sheet. No, I think oh, I that's awesome, Randy. I, I think yours. I, I think you're pretty engaging yourself. So, um, yeah, I, I would say yours are engaging, and I would say they're probably equitable because. You didn't ask them to come up with any equipment. They have their body and they have to do some equipment. So I don't think it's too hard to follow. I think you could <laughs> and did. Um, Appreciate that. Yes, yeah. uh, that's that's been my train of thought going into the activities to do barely to do no equipment at all. Most of my workouts are calisthenic based. I might try to add funky little stuff to the screen so the kids think there's stuff going on, but. I make it so that they don't have, it's not that I assume everybody doesn't have anything. I know some students do have a, objects at home and space. I assume some don't. So I'm like, listen, I'm going to make this as simple as you can, as long as you bring your enthusiasm, your energy, the rest of it, I'll handle it. In terms of equity, I look at it kind of like fairness is not just giving everybody the same exact thing, but personalizing or tailoring my activities to each student's individual needs. And I know the video because might not have modifications for everything just because it might be time consuming. But as I go through the lessons, I'm like, All right, Dr. Bob, I know you could do 50 push-ups. I can only do 10, so you do your 50, I'm going to do 10. 
and a lot of my activities are time-based so that way and nobody's limited to what they can and can't do so you have the time to do your absolute best and we'll go from there okay rebecca you want, want to anything to add I'm just thankful that I did not share a video because these two gentlemen have amazing videos and mine were not that fancy. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and let me let me say something about videos. Um, you know, videos are great um, as long as you don't overdo them. Um, and, and secondly, novelty is important. I mean, you know, the the bed sheet, even though I, I'm I kidded Randy about it a little bit. It, it is it's a novelty and novelty is probably one of the highest motivators for young children so you know here you get the idea and you're building this rope and they're getting involved and they're you know they're rolling it and oh it's okay it's not so good but they're still working at it that's novelty so they're they're it's good to introduce things i mean we want to be greater than just one type of exercise or one type of thing so um, yeah, and I was just going to say that offering the different types of equipment, the different challenges, giving verbal and visual instruction, all of that played a key part in this remote learning. Absolutely do. All right, let's let's get off videos um, and let's hope for the fact that next fall we'll be face to face, as I'll say in my closing notes. Whoever the genius was that decided to take kids and put them all in one building and educate him truly you all appreciate his genius now or her genius now don't you i mean you realize how much kids can learn from each other as well as you they learn probably more from their peers than they learn from you ultimately um so uh, it, it was a great idea so let's let's be optimistic for the fall i see cdc is not predicting a surge um for the fall so we'll see if CDC's on with that. Um, but let's let's talk about some stuff that every time the questions come in, I I get questions. And one is effective class management and how it can stem inequity and bias in an activity setting. So Rebecca, talk to me a little bit about some of the strategies you use to make sure all kids are treated fairly and, and in an equitable manner. I just I feel like the dynamic physical education curriculum we use lends itself to that with all kids having their own piece of equipment, it being spread out or throughout the gym where it's easily accessible. Um, as we said with the videos offering the different challenges um, to each child, uh, they feel successful. Uh, the kids enter the gym knowing the expectations and the consequences from day one. So all of that helps. Yeah, it sure does. Go ahead, jump in, Randy or Idris. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, well, from from a face-to-face -face instructional standpoint, uh, I'm still evolving, right? Like I, I three years ago, I felt like my classroom management was on point, and then a year after that, I'm finding new strategies, right? And the nice thing about things like this, Bob, is you know we're we're tapped into people all across the country and globe. You know, especially through social media and you're learning all these things that make you think and make you reflect on what you're doing what you have done and maybe what you should do going forward right and i think uh, you know i think we're all very talented in regards to what we have in our brains and what we want to forward to our students but without classroom management like you can't get that information to your kids right and something that really uh has transformed our students feeling um like people that are, are noticed and um, appreciated and valued in our classroom. Uh, I think three years ago, we put up a banner in our gymnasium that simply said, I notice you, I care about you, I want you to succeed, love your PE teacher. And you know, it's one thing to put a, th put a few fancy words up on a wall in a classroom, but we talk about those words every single day of the entire school year. And what's great about the whole love your PE teacher statement at the end we flip it on our students um, at the beginning of the year, at the middle and at the end, right? We want you to, to see these words and at the end say, love your classmate, love your peers, love your brother, love your sister. We want you to leave our gymnasium or, or in our classroom wanting to do these things 
to for other people, make them feel noticed, make them feel cared for and help them be successful, right? So those words, even though they're just words, we put them into our instruction all the time and we make them tangible for our kids. So it makes them wanna be the best humans they can, hopefully not just in our classroom, but in other classrooms too and outside of our school. Sounds good, I'll come back to it in a minute. Idrissa? Uh, yep, so I think uh, in terms of classroom management, having set clear rules, expectations, and routines from day one and being consistent with them goes a long way. And like one of the routines or things that I have, I mean, before it used to be high five and all that jazz when the kids come in to greet them, but now that we can't do that, but I'm like, well, we could still do something like that. So now I do like a wellness check, as I say, we go into breakout rooms, all right, Rebecca, how was your weekend? What did you do? Or I know Randy plays softball or baseball or whatever Randy does on the weekend these days. All right, Randy, how's the baseball game? How many pitches did you throw? Talk to me about this. And I think having that kind of relationship allows the students to feel a little bit more comfortable in the class, more included. And now that we talk about Randy's baseball, when we do baseball, maybe I can say, hey, Randy, can you you know chime in over here and give us some pointers and something like that? And now having these routines where, all right, Rebecca's going to be our leader for dynamic warm-ups all the time. She's going to come in, make sure everybody's ready, don't start yet, make sure everybody's, you know, in their poly spot or at their floor spot, and we get that going. So I think uh, as long as I have clear routines and I'm consistent with them, the students know what to expect. Of course, you know, I switch it up a little bit, add something here and there, but for the most part, it's the same thing across the board, then uh, it makes it pretty equitable for me. And Bob, I was just gonna, I just wanted to chime in with what Idrissa yeah. said with the, to taking that time to develop those relationships. I think that's the biggest part. And then classroom management doesn't become such a big issue because the kids respect you, they want to impress you, they come in and they try hard and they're usually trying to do their very best because they know well you care about them. Well said. Randy, uh, and, and then I'm gonna comment a little bit on this. Um, Randy, Someone asked that you repeat your motto one more time. So slow it down a little bit and then. Oh, sorry, um, it, it, up on the, we have, it's a huge yeah. eight by 10 foot. It just says in quotations, I notice you, period. I care about you, period. I want you to succeed, period. Love your PE teacher. And I just want to jump on with um, Idrissa yeah, and uh, Rebecca and, you know, I, I listened to this, my wife, she's trying to make me better all the time. She, 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 she forwarded me this parenting podcast. Um, I don't know what she's trying to say, but, uh, so I listened to it and something that sticks with what Rebecca and Idrissa just said is, you know, not just kids or students, I think all humans, they want to feel valued and respected. Right. And when you do things like Idrissa is saying, like noticing, um, them by asking them questions about their life outside of school or, you know, talking about their haircut, like making them feel like more than just a, a person that has to walk in their classroom and take something and put it in their head or their bodies and leave. It's making them feel like an actual human being that somebody wants to know um, and, and have a relationship with. So I, I think that's huge of classroom management. You're able to do that. The rest of the classroom management stuff comes easy, right? Like your call and responses and your structure within your classroom. Kids are gonna wanna do those things for you because they feel like you respect them and they and you value them as, as people in their room. Good, good, well said guys. Uh, you know, I just wanna reflect on a, on a couple of things. You said just words, they're just words. What else do you have? Well, I, the reason I'm I said- I'm asking you to respond, Randy. I'm just, I'm giving no. time for people to think. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that Randy, up. Randy, I'm not asking you to respond because oh, okay. I love that comment and you can't help yourself, I can see, but I'm not asking you to respond. You said just words. They are just words, but those are the tools we have and those are what we have to do. And one of the things about experienced teachers compared to new teachers is they don't talk nearly as much. They don't do that kind of things you guys have just been talking about. See, I really was gonna reinforce you, Randy, so you didn't have to go on. But, but my point here is, as you continue teaching, you get a lot of experience, you gotta be careful because you think, well, I've said that a million times, or I'm tired of saying that. But this is the first time those kids may have heard it. And just words are amazing. 
Okay, we, how else can we get kids to do what we want without talking to them and telling them and giving them a reason and let, helping them understand? There's no other way to get it done. It does take talking. And the talking you're using is not only to tell them what you want, but that I notice you. And you can't notice someone without talking to them. That's how you notice somebody. Just looking at them is not enough. You've got to connect eyeballs and have a word come out of your mouth, followed by a giant smile. Because that is what we do in building people and being construction uh, workers in our business. I always say we're construction workers. So the point I was making with just words is don't call it just words. Sometimes someone will tell me they're just a teacher. Just a teacher? You're the most important human being in our society. And words, just words, words, we don't have any other tools. You can't beat kids, get them to do what you want. When we don't know how to talk to them anymore, what do we do? We suspend them. In fact, I, I saw where there's a school district that is suspending kids and putting them back into virtual education if they don't behave at school. So, you know, just let me reinforce, I loved what all three of you said. You're, you're actually on it. It, it, is, it is that talking when they come in, like Idrisa said. It is getting to know them and, and getting a feeling with them. So. Good stuff, you guys. I, I was reinforcing you, not looking for feedback from you. Okay, <laughs> moving forward. Now I'm looking for feedback from you. Um, let's talk character development. First of all, what is character development, Randy? And, and how could we help, not Randy, uh, Rebecca, and how can we help build it in PE? Well, I think just we constantly use uh, character development within a variety of lessons that I teach. We're talking about respect and responsibility, how to treat one another. Um, I can't, especially, I always go back to the golf lesson. It seems like that's where we use the nine core values. And we pick one for each day where we um, take time at the beginning of the lesson and at the end to reinforce um, core values to, so that those kids understand their importance. I feel like I've stopped the lesson many times and told the kids, you can go all your life without knowing how to do a cartwheel, but you do know, need to know how to be a good person and how to treat others. Love it. Okay. Idrisa. Yes, sir. Uh, for me, character the Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, I sure can. Sorry. No problem. Uh, for me, character development is probably the most important thing because I tell the students, I don't care if you're LeBron James, Serena Williams, or Tom Brady, if you're not a great person, then you're not going to uh, fly by in this class because athletics might fade or you could get injured or whatever, but being a great person go a much longer way. So we usually, even uh, with the digital thing, we talk about, I guess, digital citizenship and how to be a good person, whether it's muting your mic when you're not talking so you don't distract other people. Uh, giving them your eyes so they know that you're paying attention instead of looking off to the side or something like that. And just little things, uh, we talk about how to uh, make other people feel valuable in this class and is all the character part that I try to focus on. The athletics, I think, comes easy. So we don't really think too much about that because the kids are already excited about moving and they want to do well, as Rebecca was mentioning. So now we talk about how can we be better people and, and if you're a good person, other people are going to treat you good for the most part and you just keep giving off good energy. So that's my my take on it. Nice. Being a good person supersedes everything else. Yes, sir. Randy. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody would probably agree here. You know, K through 12, we have the opportunity to teach more children in a year and a, in a, in a career than anybody else, right? And within that, uh, we have the ability also and the opportunity to also teach tons of skills, you know, social, emotional, mental, physical, all, all those things. And, uh, you know, this good friend of mine once said, you know, as, as humans, we want to, we want to show others we care and show them we're aware of them. Right. And when our, when these students leave us, whether it's elementary, middle school or high school, do we really care if they can throw correctly? Do we really care, you know, if they enjoy exercise? Um, do, do we really care if they can play a team sport? We do, but 
if we had to pick one thing we wanted our students to leave us with, it's the desire and, and understanding that we're put on this earth to help the lives of others become better, right? And we have that power. And we also have the power as human beings to make other people's lives worse, right? Or negatively affect our lives. And, you know, the hope is within our education or the teaching that we have, we're able to teach our students, you know, above all the other skills, how to be better people towards other people. Well said, and it's, uh, you know, as you say, I always said, you can get through life without knowing how to do a forward roll, but it's pretty tough without getting through life without being a good person. So <laughs> it is probably one of the very best things that, that we can possibly do for them. I, I, I wanna circle back just to uh, the class management and, and teaching character and all that. Um, because sometimes when you listen to teachers on podcasts like this one and listen to presentations, um, they talk about class management like, oh, yeah, it's easy, no problem. Yeah, you know, if you communicate with them, all the kids will be perfect and there will be no behavior issues and everything will be great ever after. And it's one of the biggest lies we ever tell because class management is necessary every day every day bullying issues uh, inequity issues bias issues um, all kinds of issues come up every day and teaching is not a you know i teach it at the start and we don't so those of you listening out there you know you're hearing people who are good at what they're doing but they work at it every day and i don't want to give you any illusions that it isn't a hard job. In fact, the hardest part of teaching is managing behavior and getting students with you. Anybody, you know, uh, anybody can get in and teach how to throw a ball. That's easy to do. But not anybody can teach kids how to throw a ball. Those are two different things because you've got to get the kids with you. So I just want to make sure that feeling's out there. And if you're feeling this time of the year, like school's closing in on you and the kids are anxious to get out and they're getting sh short of attention span and they're getting cranky and they're tired and they don't want to wear their mask and all the things that are going on. Hey folks, I get it. This is a hard profession. It is not easy. And so sometimes if you go to a workshop and you think, oh, it should be easy. No, I'm telling you, it's the hardest job I ever got involved in is teaching. I, I don't care what age it is. Um, I, I find it terribly demanding. And every day when I go home, I'm exhausted. So I just want to be sure that you know about that. You know, I, I've seen a number of statistics on bullying. Let's change topics here for a second. Um, because bullying and racism, probably all you could boil them in somewhat this, uh, the same area. But about one, I've seen statistics that say one in six students quit school because they were bullied. I saw another one that said one in 10. Even if it were one in a thousand, bullying is intolerable in my mind. It's, it's something that we need to be on the lookout for. And I'd, I'd like you all to talk a little bit about bullying. And by, by the way, bullying, I'm not talking about physical bullying because that's probably less prevalent than the emotional things where you call somebody fat or you do something like that. Uh, the, the emotional bullying, you know, I've always said about physical and emotional hurts. Physical hurts heal. You break an arm, it heals and you forget about it. Getting hurt emotionally never heals sometimes. Someone tell you you have a big nose and every time you look in the mirror, you look and you scope it out. Sometimes it never heals. So what about bullying? Talk to me a little bit about it, Rebecca, um, how you deal with it in your school. I feel like it's just that role of our SSPE teacher to develop that positive culture in the gym and for my students to understand that there is a zero bully tolerance. From day one, we discuss that. If there is any type of bullying, not just looking past the issue and making sure we address it. Um, 
just having the kids understand that each and every one of them is important and that even though we are all different, that um, to acknowledge those differences and similarities and make sure that they all feel important and cared about. It's pretty easy to look past, isn't it, Rebecca? Yes. You've got to keep an eye peeled for it. Randy? Well, I, I would go further and say it's easy to just be unaware of it, right? Uh, especially when you have students in your classroom that to your naked eye are crushing it in the character development world. And then all of a sudden you see them in the office eating lunch you know, with the principal or you hear stories of something that happened with them in a negative way on the playground or in the lunchroom, right? Uh, I, I, I just, I, this is something that's, there's no easy answer for how do you remedy this. Uh, it, but if I was to give an answer from, from my side of things, it's going back to what you talked about, uh, you know, creating relationships in a culture where one, students always feel comfortable to come to you if they feel like somebody is saying something or doing something that's hurting them physically or emotionally, right? Uh, and that's a really daunting task to, to create those kind of relationships. But then two, um, you know, we use, I learned this saying through this new um, uh, behavioral management kind of system we're doing in our school called conscious discipline. And it says, you know, my job as a teacher is to keep you safe and your job is to help keep it safe. And that, that phrase that we use back and forth can be connected to things like bullying or somebody saying something negatively that hurts somebody's feeling because it just reminds the students, hey, if somebody's doing something or saying something that makes you feel unsafe, I am here to help keep you safe, right? And I mean, that's the best answer I can say in regards to just having a, an open door kind of heart where you can come to me all the time and they feel that way too. I, no, you, I think you said it really well, and, and, and I think you really said it well when uh, you said they're unaware at times, and I, I think that's even a better way to say it than I said it. I, I like that. Idrissa. Yes, sir. I wanted to add on to what you were saying about the emotional uh, piece, how that stays with you. This is an activity that one of my good friends did, uh, I think, in undergrad, and it always stuck with me. So you grab a piece of paper and you write a bunch of mean, you know, school-friendly mean things. Say, oh, you have a bad jump shot or you can't catch a football to save your life, whatever the case is. And you write it all over the paper and you put, say, your best friend's name on the back. Now you crumble up that piece of paper and then uh, you try to unwrinkle the paper and show it or whatever. No matter how good of a job you do unwrinkling that paper, it's still going to have some creases and it'll never go back to that pristine paper that it was. And that's try to show an illustration of how somebody might be. Yes, you tell me that I have a bad jump shot. And they're like, oh, I'm just kidding around with you. And then I might smile. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, wow, do I have a bad jump shot? And not could be affected by it. And I think that's a little visual activity that helps some of my students to really see what it takes. And then in terms of, you know, preventing physical and all this other stuff, I think just talking to the kids about treating others how they should be treated and ask them if they ever been in a situation where they're not so good at something and if they ever felt bad. And when you put in that regards, a lot of students think to, tend to take a step back, like, all right, this might not be comfortable. Of course, you have somebody, oh, I'm Randy, I'm great at everything. What are you talking about? It's never happened to me. So then that's when you have to find another approach, like, all right, so maybe you want Rebecca to feel just as good as you do. And if you say something mean to her, she might not feel so great about herself. I think that's one way to cover bullying. Of course, I don't know all the tools and I've been trying to take notes on some of the stuff you guys were saying. And I think it's really helpful and it's something that we got to constantly try to try to talk about and reinforce. Well, well said. And, and you know, once again, I'll just say it again. There is nothing like hard work. When all this stuff really happens is when you stand back, roll out the ball, not engaged, not taking the time to talk. And that's hard work. That's going to take every ounce of energy you have. And now you're tired this time of the year. Now is not the time to cut back on your communication, your caring. Now's the time actually to step it up. You're getting near the finish line and, you know, probably they need you doing that more than ever. Um, so Lots of sage advice from three great teachers here. I appreciate you all so much. And, and, and I think one of the things that always points out to me about teachers 
teachers really, really care about their students. And great teachers really care and get in and work hard at it. And the three of you should be proud of what you're doing and your students are lucky people. Um, I want to finish up by my usual thoughts uh, going down the stretch here and I titled it, Wishing and Hoping Are Not the Keys to Success. The end of this school year will signal the passing of a time that has been difficult and challenging. Summer allows time to heal and rededicate ourselves to a better year next year. COVID turned our world upside down. However, it appears things are getting better and I wanna suggest that we learned many things this year and many of them were constructive. For example, we now realize that face-to-face -face instruction in dedicated buildings was a genius idea because kids learn as much from their peers as they do from us. It is now clear that many youngsters need to be around their peers if they are going to stay motivated. We also discovered who the self-starters are and that these students have developed habits of success no matter what the environment. This brings me to wishing and hoping. I often hear people wishing and hoping that they could have a new car. The end of the school year was here, a different job, a better boss, more money, and we could go on and on and on and on. I hear the same thing from students as they talk about I wish or I hope. Wishing and hoping are common among people of all ages, but unfortunately, they do not develop habits that lead down the road to success. Let's make it clear. Wishing and hoping need to be converted to behavioral habits or they're just idle thoughts. For a wish or hope to, be, to come to fruition, there must be a change in behavior for an extended period of time. To hope for change, yet not be willing to develop new behaviors is the definition of a dead-end road. Let me segue into your students and their behavior. More than ever, I've heard people making excuses for students when they don't perform or even attend classes. It goes something like this. Well, this has been a hard year and it's not their fault they're failing. In contrast, how about your excelling students who went through the same experience and yet they continued their path to success? 